chapter twenty of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty whackham look you there now well all europe cannot show a knot of finer wits and braver gentlemen ding boy faith they are pretty smart men shadwell scourers the world of bath was of a sudden delighted by the intelligence that lord maleverer had gone to beauvale the beautiful seat possessed by that nobleman in the neighbourhood of bath with the intention of there holding a series of sumptuous entertainments the first persons to whom the gay earl announced his hospitable purpose were mr and miss brandon he called at their house and declared his resolution of not leaving it till lucy who was in her own room consented to gratify him with an interview and a promise to be the queen of his proposed festival lucy teased by her father descended to the drawing-room spiritless and pale and the earl struck by the alteration of her appearance took her hand and made his inquiries with so interesting and feeling a semblance of kindness as prepossessed the father for the first time in his favour and touched even the daughter so earnest too was his request that she would honour his festivities with her presence and with so skilful a flattery was it conveyed that the squire undertook to promise the favour in her name and when the earl declaring he was not contented with that promise from another appealed to lucy herself her denial was soon melted into a positive though a reluctant assent delighted with his success and more struck with lucy's loveliness refined as it was by her paleness than he had ever been before maleverer left the house and calculated with greater accuracy than he had hitherto done the probable fortune lucy would derive from her uncle no sooner were the cards issued for lord maleverer's fete than nothing else was talked of among the circles which at bath people were pleased to term the world but in the interim caps are making and talk flowing at bath and when it was found that lord maleverer the good-natured lord maleverer the obliging lord maleverer was really going to be exclusive and out of a thousand acquaintances to select only eight hundred it is amazing how his popularity deepened into respect now then came anxiety and triumph she who was asked turned her back upon her who was not old friendships dissolved independence wrote letters for a ticket and as england is the freest country in the world all the mistresses hodges and snodges begged to take the liberty of bringing their youngest daughters leaving the enviable maleverer the godlike occasion of so much happiness and woe triumph and dejection ascend with us o reader into those elegant apartments over the hairdresser's shop tenanted by mr edward pepper and mr augustus tomlinson the time was that of evening captain clifford had been dining with his two friends the cloth was removed and conversation was flowing over a table graced by two bottles of port a bowl of punch for mr pepper's especial discussion two dishes of filberts another of devilled biscuits and a fourth of three pomerian crudities which nobody touched the hearth was swept clean the fire burned high and clear the curtains were let down and the light excluded 
our three adventurers and their rooms seemed the picture of comfort so thought mr pepper for glancing round the chamber and putting his feet upon the fender he said were my portrait to be taken gentlemen it is just as i am now that i would be drawn and said tomlinson cracking his filberts tomlinson was fond of filberts were i to choose a home it is in such a home as this that i would be always quartered ah gentlemen said clifford who had been for some time silent it is more than probable that forth your wishes may be heard and that ye may be drawn quartered and something else too in the very place of your desert well said tomlinson smiling gently i am happy to hear you jest again captain though it be at our expense expense echoed ned ay there's the rub who the deuce is to pay the expense of our dinner and our dinners for the last week added tomlinson this empty nut looks ominous it certainly has one grand feature strikingly resembling my pockets hi ho sighed long ned turning his waistcoat commodities inside out with a significant gesture while the accomplished tomlinson who was fond of plaintive poetry pointed to the disconsolate vacua and exclaimed e'en while fashion's brightest arts decoy the heart desponding asks if this be joy in truth gentlemen added he solemnly depositing his nutcrackers on the table and laying as was his wont when about to be luminous his right finger on his sinister palm in truth gentlemen affairs are growing serious with us and it becomes necessary forthwith to devise some safe means of procuring a decent competence i am done confoundedly cried ned and continued tomlinson no person of delicacy likes to be subjected to the importunity of vulgar creditors we must therefore raise money for the liquidation of our debts captain lovett or clifford whichever you be styled we call upon you to assist us in so praiseworthy a purpose clifford turned his eyes first on one then on the other but made no answer imprimis said tomlinson let us each produce our stock in hand for my part i am free to confess for what shame is there in that poverty which our exertions are about to relieve that i have only two guineas four shillings and threepence halfpenny and i said long ned taking a china ornament from the chimney-piece and emptying its contents in his hand am in a still more pitiful condition see i have only three shillings and a bad guinea i gave the guinea to the waiter at the white hart yesterday the dog brought it back to me to-day and i was forced to change it with my last shiner plague take the thing i bought it of a jew for four shillings and have lost one pound five by the bargain fortune frustrates our wisest schemes rejoined the moralizing augustus captain will you produce the scanty wrecks of your wealth clifford still silent threw a purse on the table augustus carefully emptied it and counted out five guineas an expression of grave surprise settled on tomlinson's contemplative brow and extending the coins towards clifford he said in a melancholy tone all your pretty ones did you say all a look from clifford answered the interesting interrogatory these then said tomlinson collecting in his hand the commonwealth these then are all our remaining treasures as he spoke he jingled the coins mournfully in his palm and gazing upon them with the parental air exclaimed alas regardless of their doom the little victims play oh darn it said ned no sentiment let us come to business at once to tell you the truth i for one am tired of this heiress hunting and a man may spend a fortune in the chase before he can win one 
you despair then positively of the widow you have courted so long asked tomlinson utterly rejoined ned whose addresses had been limited solely to the dames of the middling class and who had imagined himself at one time as he punningly expressed it sure of a dear rib from cheapside utterly she was very civil to me at first but when i proposed asked me with a blush for my references references said i why i want the place of your husband my charmer not your footman the dame was inexorable said she could not take me without a character but hinted that i might be the lover instead of the bridegroom and when i scorned the suggestion and pressed for the parson she told me point-blank with her unlucky city pronunciation that she would never accompany me to the halter ha 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 cried tomlinson laughing one can scarcely blame the good lady for that love really brooks such permanent ties but have you no other lady in your eye not for matrimony all roads but those to the church while this dissolute pair were thus conversing clifford leaning against the wainscot listened to them with a sick and bitter feeling of degradation which till of late days had been a stranger to his breast he was at length aroused from his silence by ned who bending forward and placing his hand upon clifford's knee said abruptly in short captain you must lead us once more to glory we have still our horses and i keep my mask in my pocket-book together with my comb let us take the road to-morrow night dash across the country towards salisbury and after a short visit in that neighbourhood to a band of old friends of mine bold fellows who would have stopped the devil himself when he was at work upon stonehenge make a tour by reading and henley and end by a plunge into london you have spoken well ned said tomlinson approvingly now noble captain your opinion messieurs answered clifford i highly approve of your intended excursion and i only regret that i cannot be your companion not and why cried mr pepper amazed because i have business here that renders it impossible perhaps before long i may join you in london nay said tomlinson there is no necessity for our going to london if you wish to remain here nor need we at present recur to so desperate an expedient as the road a little quiet business at bath will answer our purpose and for my part as you well know i love exerting my wits in some scheme more worthy of them than the highway a profession meeter for a bully than a man of genius let us then captain plan a project of enrichment on the property of some credulous tradesman why have recourse to rough measures so long as we can find easy fools clifford shook his head i will own to you fairly said he that i cannot at present take a share in your exploits nay as your chief i must lay my positive commands on you to refrain from all exercise of your talents at bath rob if you please the world is before you but this city is sacred body of me cried ned colouring but this is too good i will not be dictated to in this manner but sir answered clifford who had learned in his oligarchical profession the way to command but sir you shall or if you mutiny you leave our body and then will the hangman have no petty chance of your own come come ingrate as you are what would you be without me how many times have i already saved that long carcass of thine from the rope and now would you have the baseness to rebel out on you though mr pepper was still wroth he bit his lip in moody silence and suffered not his passion to have its way while clifford rising after a short pause continued look you mr pepper you know my commands consider them peremptory i wish you success and plenty farewell gentlemen do you leave us already cried tomlinson you are offended surely not answered clifford retreating to the door but an engagement elsewhere you know ay i take you said tomlinson following clifford out of the room and shutting the door after him 
i i take you added he in a whisper as he arrested clifford at the head of the stairs but tell me how do you get on with the heiress smothering that sensation at his heart which made clifford reckless as he was enraged and ashamed whenever through the lips of his comrades there issued any allusion to lucy brandon the chief replied i fear tomlinson that i am already suspected by the old squire all of a sudden he avoids me shuts his door against me miss brandon goes nowhere and even if she did what could i expect from her after this sudden change in the father tomlinson looked blank and disconcerted but said he after a moment's silence why not put a good face on the matter walk up to the squire and ask him the reason of his unkindness why look you my friend i am bold enough with all others but this girl has made me as bashful as a maid in all that relates to herself nay there are moments when i think i can conquer all selfish feeling and rejoice for her sake that she has escaped me could i but see her once more i could yes i feel i feel i could resign her for ever huh said tomlinson and what is to become of us really my captain your sense of duty should lead you to exert yourself your friends starve before your eyes why you are shilly-shallying about your mistress have you no bowels for a friendship a truce with this nonsense said clifford angrily it is sense sober sense and sadness too rejoined tomlinson ned is discontented our debts are imperious suppose now just suppose that we take a moonlight flitting from bath will that tell well for you whom we leave behind yet this we must do if you do not devise some method of refilling our purses either then consent to join us in a scheme meet for our wants or pay our debts in this city or fly with us to london and dismiss all thoughts of that love which is so seldom friendly to the projects of ambition notwithstanding the manner in which tomlinson made this threefold proposition clifford could not but acknowledge the sense and justice contained in it and a glance at the matter sufficed to show how ruinous to his character and therefore to his hopes would be the flight of his comrades and the clamour of their creditors you speak well tomlinson said he hesitating and yet for the life of me i cannot aid you in any scheme which may disgrace us by detection nothing can reconcile me to the apprehension of miss brandon's discovering who and what was her suitor i feel for you said tomlinson but give me and pepper at least permission to shift for ourselves trust to my known prudence for finding some method to raise the wind without creating a dust in other words this cursed pepper makes one so vulgar of preying on the public without being discovered i see no alternative answered clifford reluctantly but if possible be quiet for the present bear with me for a few days longer give me only sufficient time once more to see miss brandon and i will engage to extricate you from your difficulties spoken like yourself frankly and nobly replied tomlinson no one has a greater confidence in your genius once exerted than i have so saying the pair shook hands and parted tomlinson rejoined mr pepper well have you settled anything quoth the latter not exactly and though lovett has promised to exert himself in a few days yet as the poor man is in love and his genius under a cloud i have little faith in his promises and i have none said pepper besides time presses a few days a few devils we are certainly scented here and i walk about like a barrel of beer at christmas under hourly apprehension of being tapped it is very strange said the philosophic augustus but i think there is an instinct in tradesmen by which they can tell a rogue at first sight and i can get dress i ever so well no more credit with my laundress than my friends the wigs can with the people in short then said ned we must recur at once to the road 
and on the day after to-morrow there will be an excellent opportunity the old earl with the hard name gives a breakfast or a feast or some such mummery i understand people will stay till after nightfall let us watch our opportunity we are famously mounted and some carriage later than the general string may furnish us with all our hearts can desire bravo cried tomlinson shaking mr pepper heartily by the hand i give you joy of your ingenuity and you may trust to me to make our peace afterwards with levitt any enterprise that seems to him gallant he is always willing enough to forgive and as he never practises any other branch of the profession than that of the road for which i confess that i think him foolish he will be more ready to look over our exploits in that line than in any other more subtle but less heroic well i leave it to you to propitiate the cove or not as you please and now that we have settled the main point let us finish the lush and added augustus taking a pack of cards from the chimney-piece we can in the meanwhile have a quiet game at cribbage for shillings done cried ned clearing away the dessert if the redoubted hearts of mr edward pepper and that ulysses of robbers augustus tomlinson beat high as the hours brought on lord malever's fete their leader was not without anxiety and expectation for the same event he was uninvited it is true to the gay scene but he had heard in public that miss brandon recovered from her late illness was certainly to be there and clifford torn with suspense and eager once more even if for the last time to see the only person who had ever pierced his soul with a keen sense of his errors or crimes resolved to risk all obstacles and meet her at malevera's my life said he as he sat alone in his apartment eyeing the falling embers of his still and lethargic fire may soon approach its termination it is indeed out of the chances of things that i can long escape the doom of my condition and when as a last hope to raise myself from my desperate state into respectability and reform i came hither and meditated purchasing independence by marriage i was blind to the cursed rascality of the action happy after all that my intentions were directed against one whom i so soon and so adoringly learned to love had i wooed one whom i loved less i might not have scrupled to deceive her into marriage as it is well it is idle in me to think thus of my resolution when i have not even the option to choose when her father perhaps has already lifted the veil from my assumed dignities and the daughter already shrinks in horror from my name yet i will see her i will look once more upon that angel face i will hear from her own lips the confession of her scorn i will see that bright eye flash hatred upon me and i can then turn once more to my fatal career and forget that i have ever repented that it was begun yet what else could have been my alternative friendless homeless nameless an orphan worse than an orphan the son of a harlot my father even unknown yet cursed with early aspirings and restlessness and a half glimmering of knowledge and an entire lust of whatever seemed enterprise what wonder that i chose anything rather than daily labour and perpetual contumely after all the fault is in fortune and the world not me o lucy had i but been born in your sphere had i but possessed the claim to merit you what would i not have done and dared and conquered for your sake such or similar to these were the thoughts of clifford during the interval between his resolution of seeing lucy and the time of effecting it the thoughts were of no pleasing though of an exciting nature nor were they greatly soothed by the ingenious occupation of cheating himself into the belief that if he was a highwayman it was altogether the fault of the highways End of chapter twenty